Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Monthly Movie News, a monthly segment on Cinematic Doctrine, where I'll be joined by recurrent guest Carter Bennett of the popular Christian film review Instagram, Film Junkie Reviews. And the two of us will be chatting some movie news and newsworthy topics from the previous month. Our first topic of the show is an interview I conducted earlier this month with a local independent theater. As Christians, it's important for us to be mindful of where we live and how we can help those around us. We as believers in Christ's birth, death, resurrection, and ascension to the throne puts us in communion with the maker of everything, God the Father, knowing we can go to him for all our needs, a la Psalm 50:15, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. We know we also can go to the Lord on behalf of our community. For that, I'm looking at Jeremiah 29.7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. In that sense, while it's great for us to stay aware of international and national news, we'd be remiss not to think about where the Lord has us explicitly. To that end, I contacted the Ambler Theater, a local venue in my area, to hear about their story during COVID-19 how they've responded to it, how it's affected our community, and how people can help. While you'll be hearing about how things are being handled in my community, I hope that it's a helpful jumpstart to how you can begin thinking about your local community and how you can help. Immediately after, Carter and I will discuss what's heard in the interview and share how the two of us have been able to engage our community theaters and screenings during a time where it's very difficult to visit them. Following this, Carter leads us into the symbiotic relationship between theater reopenings and tenant delays, and we discuss a few factors in play that make this story very important. If you enjoy the show, be sure to check out Cinematic Doctrine's other offerings, like Trailer Talk and our regular movie discussions. You can also leave a review on your respective podcast app to show your support, or go one step further and consider supporting the show via Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can influence the show by choosing a movie we discuss at the end of every month, as well as gain access to the exclusive Cinematic Doctrine podcast series called The Pre-Show. In it, Daniel and I talk about movies, Christianity, and life itself across a variety of topics. Cinematic Doctrine also has plenty of social media you can follow, like our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook page. And be sure to check out the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group and join the conversation with other like-minded Christian cinephiles. All of this will be available in the show notes. Without further ado... Let's talk some news. Brendan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Hey, Melvin. Yeah, thank you for having uh, me. Uh, so I'm Brendan Joyce. I work for the Ambler Theater as well as Renew Theaters. So Renew Theaters is a theater management company, and one of the theaters that we run is the Ambler Theater in Ambler, Pennsylvania. I've been with the Ambler since 2016. Started as a staff member, working on the floor, scooping popcorn, selling tickets. Then I ended up moving on up through uh, the office ranks, eventually ending up becoming the associate programmer. So I'm the guy that helps choose the films uh, that we show at the theater. Mainly, I focus on special events, such as local filmmaker programs, like the First Take Short series, or the Retrograde series, which is a it's a look at the cult and contemporary classics of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. 
So those are uh, mainly my two biggest programs I run. And I also do some of our video work. So a lot of the PSAs and promos that you see before the films, uh, those are some of my videos that uh, I throw together for the theater. So Ambler Theater has been around for a really long time, 1928. So there's like a lot of history here. Are you Are you able to share any of that with us? Correct. Uh, December 31st, 1928 was the day that it opened. It was originally owned by Warner Brothers, so it was a theater house. And, and back in the 20s and 30s, studios owned the theaters, and they had their own theater houses across the uh, the United States. So Warner Brothers owned the Ambler Theater. The first movie that was shown there on the 31st was Our Dance and Daughters with uh, Joan Crawford. The architecture of the Ambler Theater was designed as a Spanish colonial style. It was only one theater, so if you've been to the Ambler, our biggest theater is designed to mimic that, that look, that style, but the theater stretched out all the way past our concession stand. It was that big. It held wow. uh, 1,228 seats at one point. <laughs> oh my gosh. And yeah, <laughs> it was big. Uh, it had a pipe organ, uh, and the designer also designed the Seville, which is also now the Bryn Mawr film institute as well as the lansdowne wow. theaters so uh yeah he had he had a good he had a strong hand in uh, designing some of the old classic uh independent theaters uh in our area so it ran uh as a, a movie theater up until well under warner brothers ownership for a while uh and then with the advent of television and big multiplexes uh it fell out of ownership in 1969-1970, another another group came in, owned the theater from 1970 to uh, 1997, and they were running mainly 16mm films, uh, not even showing 35 anymore, so they were just running 16mm. And then uh, our theater management company, uh, Renew Theaters, uh, came in and bought the property uh, in 2001. And uh, at that time, they they were building two new theaters, which are the black box style regal stadium seating theaters that we have uh, the 150 seat theater and the 110 seat theater. And they open reopened those in 2003 while they were working on the big auditorium theater one and restoring that, which they ended up reopening in 2007 with uh, into the wild. So yeah, it has a long history, uh, really interesting history. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool place. <laughs> So Renew Theaters will purchase old theaters and refurbish them? Yes. Uh, yeah, we're, Renew Theaters, it's a nonprofit, uh, 501c3, tax-exempt theater management company. Pretty much the goal is to own and operate multiple theaters, independent art house theaters, so we can maintain its own separate identity that's local to the community. We first started with the County Theater in Doylestown in 1993, which is now currently getting its own expansion. We're getting a third theater put onto it, hopefully for a 2021 reopening. And then we moved to yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. Then we moved to the Ambler Theater, like I said, in 2003, and then ended up with the Highway Theater in 2013 in Jenkintown. Mm-hmm. And then in 2014, the Princeton Garden Theater in Princeton, New Jersey. So mainly our goal is to exhibit art and independent world films for the community, as well as educate the community on film. Uh, There's just so many great films out there that 
places like Regal's and AMC's as much as they're good for the big blockbusters. And I love going to the Marvel movies just as much as everybody else. But, <laughs> um, you know, sometimes I, I want something something different. And the great thing about our theaters is you get to see those films. And, and when I explain our theaters to people, I'm like, because some people do ask me, are you getting the new Avengers? I'm like, we're not going to get the new Avengers, but all the films that you see at the Oscars and you're like, man, I want to see that film or man, I missed that film. That's our theater. Those are, that's the theater that you should come to, to see those films. So, so would you say that Renew Theater is Ambler Theater in particular has a really big community involvement? Yeah, I, I would say that we do. Uh, we were, I feel like when people arrive to Ambler or drive down Butler, one of the biggest thing, one of the first things people see that really stands out is our that neon tower, that neon sign. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, and we're situated right in the heart of Ambler. I tell people, you know, in, in this pre-COVID world and hopefully in a post-COVID world, <laughs> my my biggest my biggest hope is, you know, for the Ambler, people can go out and go to a dinner, you know, at one of our great local restaurants in town, do some shopping in town, and there's so much to do within Ambler, and then. You can either cap it off or start with a movie to our, our theater. So we're, we're trying to create a big sense of, like, this is our small town. This is our hometown. Uh, come out to this theater and, you know, enjoy what's along Ambler, what's along Butler, and, and shop and eat and, and see a movie. But also there's other things that we, we try to promote. We try to promote local and area filmmakers, which is something I was, I've always been very passionate about. Mm. And, and showing, it, it, because he, in college... When I was just starting out, you know, I was in film school in college at Montgomery County uh, Community College. When I was there, I, I started out as a filmmaker and some of my first films, The it was really cool. Like when we made a big film, we were able to show it at the Ambler Theater. The Ambler was so inviting and helpful and encouraging wow. to, to allow like, you know, student filmmakers to show their films on their big screen, which is something you're not going to get at a Regal or AMC. So that, that's been a big passion of mine. And also educating uh, people within the community about film. We have programs such as Film 101 where, where we bring out professors from Temple University, film critics that are local to Philadelphia, to talk about their favorite films and educate our moviegoers on things that they probably wouldn't have realized uh, about watching certain films. So March 12th, 2020 was the day Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf ordered closings of schools, community centers, gyms, and entertainment venues within Montgomery County. And, and Ambler Theater promptly closed to evaluate and respond to the growing COVID-19 outbreak with a letter released by Ambler Theater's Executive Director, Chris Collier, citing improved sanitation standards as well as encouraging patrons and guests when they finally return to adhere to healthy and mindful practices. So so, Brendan, as a cinephile employee and a patron of Ambler Theater, what was running through your head hearing that COVID-19, this virus that felt so far away, was now affecting your life and livelihood? It, it was interesting, that, especially that day, because there was just so much up in the air. We knew, we had, a, like everybody, you have an idea about what's going on in the world and this virus just by watching the news and just following the news and following the cases and i, I believe in late february that there was something within our office or our little group of people that work in our office we're talking about was wondering this is a thing and you never think it's gonna happen you never think the worst is gonna happen then you get to this point where on march 12th you hear i i, I think i got updated on my phone like about what was happening with the governor talking about He's shutting down uh, a lot of businesses such as movie theaters. So then there's 
is this going to be last a few days? Is this going to last a week? And I, I feel like early on, especially beginning with a day, you're thinking it's probably going to be a week to two weeks. And then hopefully you can come back and jumpstart, you know, whatever programs you're working on. We were having, we had a few programs in the works. Uh, we had our 2020 vision series, which was focusing on site and cinematography and film that we just started. We, we had a retrograde mm. series at our second year of it that we were starting a week later uh, after on the 19th. So we were hoping, okay, well, if this happens, we're going to be out for two weeks and then we just have to fi re figure out dates and such and then reschedule and shuffle some things around. And to think that we are now in July, it's just, it, it's mind blowing. Yeah. So, so you were a part of those discussions at Ambler then? Yeah, early on. Yeah. So we, we were part of the discussions. We were definitely kept in the loop. It was just making those decisions about how we're shutting down, what we're going to do. It, it, it worked pretty fast. I, I got to give a lot of credit to my boss, Chris and John Toner as well. Who's also, who's the founding director of the theater. They, they did a great job of communicating with us throughout that day and letting us know this is what we're going to do. They were able to communicate with our managers, our staff, to help them close the theaters for that extended period of time. So we were kept in the loop and, and decisions were made that day. Nobody, there was no dragging of feats. There's something mm. really bad that's out there. The governor's made a decision. We have, you know, we're going to follow it to the best of our ability. And I felt like, you know, we did the best job that we could to close the theaters down to think that we would still be closed in July. I, that's a, that's a different story, but <laughs> yes, yeah. But we're still, you know, with the virus still being out there and still being very prominent, try and take as much safety as precaution as possible, especially with our members of the theater and our patrons who are older and and would be affected by this virus yeah. tremendously. You know, we're we're trying to look out for them and for the safety of our own staff as well who are working in the theater. So, it's it's been a juggling act. And it's been an interesting period of time. Uh, to be working at a movie theater during a pandemic. So March 12th. Yeah, that's a that's a rough day. And not to undermine that, but following it is Friday the 13th, March 13th. Did you watch a Friday the 13th movie? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. I I believe that I actually did. I tried on when 13, you know, the if a day is a Friday the 13th, I tried to get in a Friday the 13th film. I believe I watched the seventh one, and that's one of my guilty pleasure favorites. Uh, I like the, the there's a scene where you see Jason where he's his his mask is ripped off. And I really like the creature design of Jason in that one. He, it's also with dealing with the uh, the main protagonist. The main protagonist has telekinesis, so it's kind of cool to that's see right. Jason meet his own match. So, but I, I'm a big fan of those. Uh, those films so i always try to get one in on a, a friday the 13th carrie versus jason carrie versus jason yep <laughs> jason. so following march into april it was pretty clear that this shutdown period was going to be much longer than two weeks and we could really just follow march to now but for entertainment venues theaters in particular things were just looking really bad because their bread and butter is built on people gathering in a tight room where patrons stuff their mouths with popcorn really good popcorn emote to what's on screen and basically breathe the same air for 90 minutes at a time and that's assuming you're not screening the Irishman. So with that in mind, theaters have had to get creative in reaching their community, continuing to bring in revenue and 
basically survive this difficult and unprecedented time. So AMC theaters had unveiled an on-demand option prior to the shutdown, something akin to Vudu or Prime, where users could rent or purchase newly released films. I'm sure they're very happy that they did that, all things considered. Has Ambler Theater embraced the streaming world during this time to help provide quality films to their patrons? Uh, yes. So when we did end up closing down our theaters, I think we went a, a week or two with, I, I would like to say that we went a week or two and we were trying to figure out if we could get films, do a virtual version of our theater. And in that time period between closing down and, and starting our virtual cinema, it all feels like a, a crazy blur just because there's just so much going on. <laughs> yeah. But I remember, I remember, I think we went like a, a, about a week or so without any sort of films. And, and a lot of questions were like, what's going to, what's the next steps. And eventually we had a few independent distributors reach out to us. Hmm. They ended up saying, Hey, we, we have some films that, you know, you might play for a limited engagement or for a short time in your theater, or you might not be able to get in your theater and we want to put them out there on a virtual platform. So they, I, I get, I give a lot of credit to a lot of the independent uh, distributors for really jumping on this quick and, and making these films available for us. And we started out with a few films and I think we started out with three or four films in our virtual theater. And now we're up to about 15 films in total. And wow. you have even, you know, we have smaller distributors like Grasshopper Films that were there kind of at the beginning. And now we have distributors such as Neon, which just won the Oscar for Parasite this past That's year. Right. That's and right. Magnolia that are, are have jumped on this bandwagon and making these films available for us. And the, and the great thing is it's it's supporting independent cinema and supporting independent theaters because the profits, most of these tickets are $12. So these profits are split 50, 50. So we're making $6 and they're making $6. And overall it's probably not a lot just because some people might not be searching for these types of films or there's just not like a, it's not like going to a theater, but we are, we are making strides and it does help us. It does help support us. And it does help support those films and get those films out there in front of people that might not typically see them. And we also started with doing some of our special events. We, like I said, we had, we had retrograde, which was going to start and we ended up moving over to a virtual platform through Netflix and Amazon prime. We also had our local filmmaker series, which was going to happen two weeks later after the announcement of COVID, I think at the end of March, so we had a bunch of local filmmakers that were looking forward to having their films on the screen. And we're like, what are we going to mm, do? Yeah. My feeling was I could keep putting it off or we could do some sort of live stream and really promote it to our patrons and to our members and, and, and try and make it as special as possible with the Q and A's and, and doing a whole bunch of different things for it. So throwing that together and, and try and make it as special as possible for those filmmakers, I, I feel like was one of my favorite accomplishments post-COVID yeah. with this virtual nice. cinema and, and getting their voices out there to the broadest audience possible. So yeah, it, it, it's been a juggling act. It's, it's been very different. <laughs> I bet I, man, I even was thinking about, I mean, you've been sharing on Ambler theater and, and, and stuff about converting retrograde to what is now called the retrograde virtual watch party, which I think is brilliant. I, I think you, you just got to tell people about this. I mean, this is fantastic <laughs> to me. Uh, yeah. So the Retrograde Virtual Watch Party is a spinoff from Retrograde. And like I mentioned earlier, it is a when, 
we started retrograde last year. It was an eight film series that we partnered with uh, Forest and Main Brewing Company on where people would buy a ticket. And if they do an off charge, they get a free uh, specially made poster by a local artist, as well as uh, they get a, a voucher to attend our after party, which is karaoke or trivia. Sometimes it depends on the film. And it was only an eight film series. It ran from it runs from March to October. Uh, it's a mix of digital presentation with 35 millimeter presentation. So with it, us going to our second season, we really want to make it a bigger, you know, bigger and better season. And then with COVID yeah. shutting down, I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> that's it, it really it, it was a bummer. It was it was definitely a big bummer. But we were able to shift because there's so many great cult classic films on Netflix, on Amazon Prime. And we were able to shift over to a virtual platform. We're like, hey, let's try some new things. So our uh, chief content creator, KC, he mentioned doing something in Discord as a chat room. That was a way where we could communicate with people and also hold uh, cool like trivia and like activities throughout the film. So when we set up our Discord chat room, we put a vote out to people here at three movies, GoldenEye, uh, James Bond GoldenEye was the, the winner <laughs> of, of it over, massively. <laughs> it, it, it was a landslide. And that was the fir first movie we started with. And then I was thinking we we're going to do it for a few weeks, like a month or so. So we were doing it every Saturday and it just keep kept catching on. And we had, depending on the film, you just have new different people show up and there's an interest there. It's, I'm showing, like, we had some people show up for Clueless and then they're like, oh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Haven't seen that in a long time. We're going to stick around and watch that next week. So we're cultivating a big audience. I think we our Discord chat room is up to now a little over 200 people Wow, uh, that are part of it. So it, it's been a slow build. And for me, I think the cool thing is, is that you're still able to communicate on a weekly basis with your audience and have them do fun things such as trivia, the things that they would have missed out on if you didn't. If you just shut down completely, they wouldn't be able to watch these cool films and participate in trivia and and communicate with our theater. So giving them the opportunity to do this over this long period of time uh, has been really, really cool and, and interacting with them. And at the end of the day, it's going to benefit us because eventually when we do reopen back up and things are good to go in a post-COVID world, uh, and we do do retrograde within the theater. We're we're going to have a built-in audience, I think, bigger than we had before. So, what's been your best memory running retrograde virtual watch party? Oh wow! <laughs> uh, so I I feel like Goldeneye is one that really sticks out because that was one of those. You're hoping that people show up. A lot of people voted for Goldeneye, uh, and you're hoping that people just show up to it and yeah. and participate, and just to see a whole bunch of people jump into that chat, participate and, and talk throughout the film was really funny. Yeah. So it, it, it really varies. Uh, some of my favorite films that we've shown as a part of the retrograde virtual watch party, it's films that I really like the, like something like can't hardly wait. I, I grew up on that film. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, a big fan of cheesy nineties uh, teen romantic, you know, comedies uh, and, and that was a film that I was like, man, I, I would love to play that film in the theater, but I don't know if people really show up to it. So this gives me an opportunity to program these films, even like something like Mortal Kombat, which is a film that I loved as a kid, getting a second rewatch of that and realizing, oh, it's not as good as I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but it, it's allowed me to revisit some of these films that I really loved throughout you know my life and and sharing them with an audience. So that's been really cool. And now we're uh, if you win trivia, we're allowing the people, the winners, to pick the films for future retrograde watch parties. So I think that's really fun to see our the taste of our audience and where that goes. So it, it's it's been interesting. It's now been four months since this shutdown started, and we've covered in our monthly movie news segments how big theater chains are thinking of reopening. Of course, that's been pushed back and probably will keep going back, but we'll have to wait and see. And this can really just keep changing at any minute. AMC theaters and Regal Cinemas are largely dependent on blockbuster films like Tenet and Mulan releasing soon, or at least sticking to a schedule, so that they can open with them. Ambler Theater is no different, iterating that a reopening would effectively cause further financial stress than simply staying closed. And so, Brendan, this idea that reopening could actually cause an institution to lose money may be foreign to some. Do you mind explaining what that means? Yeah, and it's something I I feel like everybody that's asked me, oh, why aren't your theaters reopening, especially since we're in the green phase and some theaters can reopen at half capacity with a lot of the CDC guidelines. But the big thing for a theater is is getting an audience and 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 and, and getting a big enough audience because we make a lot of our money off of concessions, and then we're booking the films. We book films at a higher rate, and and we have to split those profits with the studio, so we're not making too much of off of tickets. In the midst of a pandemic, uh, when you really think about it, if somebody's showing up to a theater, you're you're doing it at half capacity. And then there's going to be a bunch of people that aren't going to want to go to see a movie in the theaters. They don't think it's worth the risk. And I agree with them. So they're showing up to the theater. They're probably not going to end up buying concessions because that's going to require them to take off their mask and expose themselves. So there goes some of the profits there. And financially, from our perspective, you know, with the operations of, of paying staff, running projection, running lights, just running all this equipment, it would cause we we'd be losing so much more money and we wouldn't be making any profits off of it. At the end of the day, it's still just not completely safe. And I I think I mentioned earlier, our uh, majority of our patrons are older and our members are older and this virus can affect them way more. We don't want to keep putting them in harm's way uh, to make a profit. Our virtual theaters, our virtual cinema is doing really well and pretty much staying idle and just waiting and and hoping, you know, crossing our fingers for a vaccine at some point, uh, hopefully before the end of the year, is is our best bet. Uh, and also putting our staff in harm's way too is, is a big thing as well because they're going to be at risk. Yeah. They're going to be constantly cleaning theaters as well and, and wiping down. And that's something we will be doing when we do reopen. We're going to have those guidelines regardless because it's still going to be a little weird even with a vaccine and such if we were open post-vaccine we've always been cleaning our theaters and we always do a good job but to put your staff through that big stress where you really have like people's lives could be on the line if you don't clean this it, it would be a lot of stress and it would be it wouldn't be healthy for anybody customers or staff so you touched on it a little bit here but Pushing a little further, what is Ambler Theater thinking about with regards to reopening? Uh, so, like, we put out a survey. We did ask our patrons, and like they said, they pretty much said a vaccine would be the one thing that would push them to, you know, come back to the theater. And without a vaccine, 
it would be it would be hard for them to make that decision. They wouldn't want to come back and watch a movie. Also, there's also there's also you mentioned it was movies, the lack of movies. We see other film, the Colonial Theater, for instance, or War Terror Cinema, have been doing their best to reopen with classic films, but newer films is what really attracts our biggest audience. And without that, there's no reason to reopen the theater. So at the end of the day, the studio still dictates of when we reopen, even if we felt comfortable reopening, we had all, we wanted to do it at the end of the day, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be smart to reopen without having those newer films in our theaters for us. At least. Sure. But right now we're, we're, we're trying to think of new and interesting ways of engaging the community and the audience. And like I said, virtual cinema still is doing that pretty well, but we're also pivoting to do an outdoor cinema. Uh, we're, we're doing an outdoor open screening at Ambler Borough Hall. We're going to follow the CDC safety guidelines. We're asking people uh, distance six feet apart, you know, keep their masks on every time they're walking the grounds and, and to stay within their group. And we're, uh, we're doing that with Back to the, we're starting with Back to the Future and we're going to have a few nice. other films throughout the rest of the summer and maybe into the fall. So it's now, now we, we're finding ways to engage with the community one-on-one, face-to-face. The Moving Picture Cinema, they do a lot of pop-up screening. So it's a great company that helps, that's helping us with putting on this, this event. They, they do a lot of pop-up screenings and uh, outdoor screenings and they provide the projection equipment for that. So it's helped, it's keeping the cost low for us. We, we just have to worry about booking the films and we're also going to be providing concession with, along with your ticket that will be pre-packaged. So You'll get some of that Ambler Theater popcorn and candy nice. at, a, at a reasonable price when you purchase your ticket online. So those are, you know, something like that. It's it's baby steps. It's it's you know, you're falling you've we've fallen off our bike and now we're getting back on and we're we're trying to take it easy and, and just slowly get them back out there and, and look looking forward to seeing our normal patrons in person. So during this time, what are the best ways to support Ambler Theater? Uh, the, or the best, the, the biggest and best way is, is to sign up for a membership. And that might sound completely crazy because there's, with a membership, the perks that come with a membership are going to member only events and get a reduced price on your ticket. Uh, but the thing is, if you sign up for your membership, once our theater does reopen, that's when your membership kicks in. So you can sign up for a membership now and, you know, in a few months it'll start. So if we reopen, let's just, I'm just ballpark it. Like if we were open sometime in 2021, like March, 2021, and you sign up today, your membership will kick in for March, 2021 and it'll be good until March, 2022. So that def- definitely has helped us a lot and has really helped keep our theater running. Also supporting our virtual uh, theater uh, cinema events. Like I said, we have between 14 to 15 really great films with our virtual theater Half the proceeds go to us. Even supporting our our free events, such as Retrograde or the local filmmaker series, or our Hollywood Streaming Nights, which is a spinoff of our Hollywood Summer Nights of showing classic Hollywood movies. Uh, that's on YouTube. A lot of our free events just showing up and supporting us. And then our outdoor uh, summer series, which we're going to be starting, it's going to be go a long way. So whatever little bit that you can do to support us, but membership has always been our bread and butter, our life support. So if you want to sign up for a membership, just head over to our theater website and and, and do it because it will kick in once uh, our theater reopens and you'll have 
a brand new membership that'll last you an entire year from when we reopen. And you get a lot of really cool, neat uh, deals on that. To, to leave us on a, on a fun thing, because being stuck at home for several months isn't all that bad. Yeah. <laughs> what are the top three movies or shows that you've watched since March 12th? There's so many. I've watched so much. Um, <laughs> just so, yeah. I, there's just so much. And I, I was going, you know, when you did pose this question to me earlier this week, there was something I've been thinking about all week. And I, I think I've narrowed it down. I would go with, so one of the films that we've shown, I'm, I'm going to go with a film that we've shown in a virtual theater, and that was uh, 14. Uh, I would definitely suggest people trying to track it down. It's such a really cool film. Uh, it, it's a dramatic piece about these two friends that have known each other since 14 years old, and the story picks up with them in their mid to late 20s, and it's detailing their life over the next decade or so with these little vignettes. And the acting, it's a, it's a really cool indie film it takes its time it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of ozu in the in the style and the approach um if you've ever seen films like tokyo story it, it's a cool film and the acting is, is really great and the direction is really solid and to spin off of that we were able to get the entire cast and crew and the director and the producers to do a q a with us uh about a few weeks ago which I was able to participate in and, and, and ask some questions about, which is cool because it's like, I've seen this film twice already and now I'm getting to interview them. And, and it was a cool yeah. experience because now I get to ask, get to ask all these people like, Hey, I have all these questions about this film. I, I'm, I'm getting to interact with you. So it, it was, it was really awesome experience, but that that's a film I would highly recommend to anybody. Uh, the next one on my list is is Palm Springs. It's uh, the new Andy Samberg comedy. Um, I thought it was tremendous. It's it's about I don't want to give too much away, but it's pretty much the the basic story is a guy who's trapped in a time loop. There's a lot of films mm. and a lot of media that does the Groundhog Day sort of time loop scenario. This one I felt w- was very inventive how it approached it. And it, it's incredibly funny and, and, and incredibly sweet film. It's a really, it, it's a really cool film. I, I would suggest people, if you have Hulu, checking it out. And then I would go, What's What's Up, Doc? My third one. It's a Peter Bogdanovich film uh, with Barbara Streisand and uh, Ryan O'Neill. That film is one of the funniest films I think I've ever seen. It's literally a Looney Tunes cartoon come to life. Wow. Uh, has one of my, one, one of my, I think one of the all time great chase scenes in, in film history. In my, my personal opinion, I've never really seen a lot of Barbara Streisand and her in that film, she is just completely hilarious. And watching somebody like Ryan O'Neill play the, the straight man and just this guy with a stick up his butt the entire film and his interaction, <laughs> the, the relationship between him and Streisand, it's just, it's pitch perfect. Excellent. Well, Brendan, thanks so much for your time. Man, we are rooting and praying for Ambler Theater right now. Yeah, I appreciate it, Melvin. It's been great being on this uh, podcast and great talking about movies and our theater with you and your audience. So that was Brendan Joyce from Ambler Theaters. Really, really wonderful guy, and I just really loved having him on. I hope you guys enjoyed him too. Uh, Maybe we'll have him back later. I don't know. That'll be really cool. Be able to get an update on Ambler Theaters and kind of hear how those – pop-up uh, theater experiences are going to be. But yeah, here with me now is Carter Bennett from the popular Christian film review, Instagram film junkie reviews. What's going on, Carter? Melvin, I'm doing good, man. It's good to be back. Uh, I really can't complain. Life life is 
pretty amazing now, though it looks like the world is uh, imploding on itself. But I, life, life has been pretty good. I'll say one thing, as a movie fan, it's felt like a wasteland. So life's good, but as a movie <laughs> fan, man, it feels like I'm in the desert. And it feels yeah. like I see water, uh, like a, a well, a fresh water, and it just keeps getting pushed back, you know, a few hundred yards. But eventually I'll get to that water. So <laughs> I'm doing good, though, man. Good, glad to be back. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. It is funny though. It's like we keep getting a little bit closer to that ocean, to that oasis, <laughs> yeah. and then it just jumps back even further. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I will shout out my wife. So, guys, I'm very uh, tech illiterate. I think Melvin is learning this, and my wife, uh, she really came in to rescue me. She she taught me how to use Bluetooth, um, which is sad to say <laughs> as a 23 year old who grew up with a computer. But yes, so. Shout out Julia Bennett. She's amazing. I love her. You're the best, Julia. Thanks for helping out. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. So yeah, what do you what do you think? You you heard the interview. What do you think about uh, Ambler Theater's experience with COVID nineteen and how they're working things out? Yeah, I think I, I I think they're really just doing the best that they can. Um, do doing what they need to do. A lot of these theaters, and I know this for uh, the local Harkins theaters in Arizona they're in a pretty good spot. And it sounds like Ambler, um, at least for the next few months, would be able to survive. And right now, without new releases, without kind of Hollywood and the film industry playing chicken with these theaters, it there's really not much motive to reopen just because of the safety hazard, but also uh, profits wise, it's going to be hard. So I, I think it's Theaters are in a really interesting spot. I don't know if theaters will ever look the same after um, or, or look the same as they did pre-COVID. It's going to be really interesting, interesting to see. But yeah, those, those were just my quick thoughts of like, hey, they're doing what they, they can with digital, the digital experience and these pop-up theaters, but they're, they're also in a very tough space right now. Yeah, one of the things that I marveled at when he was talking was that he said they are able to screen like th- or I, I say screen, but stream 13 movies through their website, through their partnerships. And, you know, after our interview, I joked with him. I said, you know, 13 movies at once, that's more than Ambler can ever do at a time. And he just burst into laughter because he's like, yeah, we only have three screens and like <laughs> people come in during the weekend. So we kind of have to be mindful about keeping things in all week. And we can only have so many movies. Yeah. So now we're streaming more than we ever could before. I was, we were talking about this and he even said there was a conversation he was having just when things closed down and they were lamenting only being able to do three movies at a time. And someone else said to him, well, if we're online, we can do as many movies as we want. <laughs> and so you go to their website and they're just, there are so many movies that they're able to promote. And that's, that's like pretty cool. One of the one of the things that I've stepped away with a lot, what I've been learning when it comes to not just the film industry or independent theaters, is everybody is online now. Everybody's realizing how important it is to have an online presence and to really respect the importance of being online. And I know we, everybody kind of gives, you know, the cold shoulder to the, the social media experience because everyone's like, well, it's not real. It's that you're online. It's not real life. Mm-hmm. But then if you get off of social media and you're keeping up with things like the New York Times or other publications and you're watching the stock market through your onlines or you're always on email, you kind of realize how how connected you are through the Internet and how helpful it is to get information that way. 
social media is sort of like a vacuum of information because it's such a cluttered mess and trying to figure out what actually matters is a mess. But but when you're able to curate it yourself through email or or I use Google News all the time, which I know that's Google's algorithm curating for me. I have control over that by giving a thumbs up or thumbs down on what I'm actually interested in. You actually sort of find out how important all that information is. And so companies all around the globe are realizing we really need to be online. And I think independent theaters being able to do this online is great. I mean, when they open up, they're going to screen things in their theater. And then if stuff like doesn't have a good run in the theater, they can just transition to like, well, we're not going to show that in theater, but you can catch it for the next two weeks on our website. I mean, that's huge. I, I agree, Melvin. And, and I think that bringing it back to Ambler and really just looking at the independent theater model, I, I know a few of the independent theaters here. And as Brennan was talking about, their major demographic is an older crowd. That's right. And so to me, what I'd be curious about is, you know, what, is, what kind of slice are they getting, like in co- comparison to what they would usually be getting in a healthy market? You know, what, what kind of revenues are they driving through that digital platform, which I would, I would guess, I mean, I, I know nothing about it, but probably 10%. I mean, it's, it's not much. And knowing that largely the demographic is older too, how, how many, how, how many of those people are actually going online, you know, just, just in that older, older generation. And so I think that's, that's what really puts a lot of these independent theaters definitely at risk because that older demographic um, they're not going to be going to the theaters um, with everything going on, and they're probably not going to be too tech literate, tech savvy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's 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 a really fascinating place uh, where we find ourselves, and it sucks because I I love a lot of the local theaters that are around me, and they definitely every time I go, I'm one of the youngest guys there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and so it, it was really interesting just to hear from Brendan. You know, it sounds like it's it's working right now i mean also being you know the fact that they don't have any anybody on staff right now you know nobody's cleaning the theater or anything so their costs are low their margins uh don't have to be that 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 crazy so i'm sure they can do just fine uh with digital streaming but it's 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 really you really throw a wrench in there with that older crowd yeah and i think he even made brief mention of another theater that renew theaters i think I think he said, at least I read this online, they helped kind of bring back and then got rid of, and it's Bryn Mawr. By got rid of, I mean, I think it's more independent now. It's not connected to Renew Theaters, but but Bryn Mawr is right across from a college. And so they do a lot of college events and, and they have, every time that my wife have gone out to make a trek to Bryn Mawr, they have a pretty, I'll say the demographic seems pretty balanced. It includes yeah. my generation. There's been one or two screenings we went to Bryn Mawr, whereas a lot of older folk, but it definitely, I mean, it it benefits being near college. <laughs> and uh, that, so that's what that. I, yeah, that's what I would say too. Cause I, I, I see that at a near ASU um, in Arizona, there is one of those older theaters there and uh, that, that is where the demographic is a little more mixed. Than- right. And I, and I think part of that too, is that even our generation is becoming a bit more attuned to art house films and yep. stuff like that. I think streaming makes that a lot easier. I think what we might start seeing when it comes to independent theaters, which really need to be in closer to or within metropolitan or suburban areas, I don't think independent theaters really are, well, maybe they are big out in rural areas out in the Midwest. I guess if we have a Midwest listener, they can email and tell me. 
But, um, you know, thinking about that and thinking about demographic, I feel like this could maybe jumpstart that. So he talked about the virtual screenings that they're doing on retrograde and the, uh, which is really just if you have Netflix or Amazon Prime, we're all going to watch the same movie at the same night and then jump on Discord for some games and, and uh, conversation. All of that's going to bring in a lot of younger people because it's going to where younger, pe- younger people are. They're not on Facebook. They're not. <laughs> They're going to be yeah. on Instagram, TikTok, which might not even exist by the end of this week. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then you have Discord. And I think that's, he sounded very hopeful, our conversation throughout the whole time. And then even at the end, I asked uh, kind of off the record, are you hopeful? And he said, yeah. And which I guess is now technically on the record, but I feel like that's okay. <laughs> and um, and it really came out of, you know, knowing, and he said this straight up, he said, we're still building an audience and then we're going to open up and we suspect that audience will transfer Yeah, because people are going to want to get out. I've talked to people of yep. all generations that are like, we kind of still want to get back out. And when people feel safe to go to the movies, they're going to go. It's going to happen. So this is, I was going to tell you this, Melvin. So I have a friend who is an underwriter at this private equity firm. And really his job is, I'm going to look at um, different companies in the Valley of Arizona and determine, you know, what's, what's the viability of this company. And about a year ago, we were talking about movie theaters. He knows I'm a big movie fan. And um, I was asking him, so like, you know, what, what are the conversations you have with these theater owners or these managers in regards to the competition with streaming and um, just how our world is changing because of the internet, like, like we're talking about. And they were saying that they liken their competition um, more to the, the bowling alleys, the, the top golfs, the event family places yeah uh rather than streaming which i thought was fascinating because it you know i I think we think of streaming as this this thing this terrible thing that's going to destroy movies forever and in reality 2019 i think was the second or third largest box office year in history disney had a great year with a lot of their blockbuster output but people are still going to the movies and i think that there's a world where like you're saying streaming can exist and and specifically for ambler and and that can not hurt its its physical presence as well. I think they can kind of complement one another because, like you said, people you know people don't just want to be in their house all the time. It, it no, really is an event to go to the movies. It's it's an event to hey get the whole family, get some popcorn, get some overpriced popcorn, some overpriced candy. <laughs> you know, it's 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 an event kind of like a bowling night. Yeah, and and as even movie theaters uh, introduce new platforms for revenue, um, the reason. I mentioned AMC so much is because Catherine and I have been had been using AMC A list, and so that's sort of our theater that we go to the most. But as theaters begin introducing no, new platforms like that, like uh, A list, there's going to be a bigger involvement between getting people to the theater and constant online marketing and communication. Because when I have A list, I'm constantly checking the app to see when are things screening and when can I go. Yep. And I would do that during the day. In fact, I think I used A list more when I would go during the day to take a break from work or see if something was potentially worth talking about on the podcast, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or just increasing my social media presence when it came to using a letterbox. Like if people, this is what they're seeing, then I go and talk about it on the website. Mm-hmm. And I think even independent theaters can get, you know, a piece of that pie. It's it is hard. It is hard if you're if 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 
the Ambler isn't a the Renew Theaters in general is not a series of theaters that has a bad presence online. In fact, they have a very good presence online, and you hear a lot about that during the interview. But other theaters might find it really difficult, and I think companies in general finding it difficult to get online because you start hearing acronyms like SEO, and you're like, what's SEO, and why is it so important? <laughs> um, I know that that was something for me, building Cinematic Doctrine and having the website. That was all very alien and intimidating. But then after you kind of spend a week just researching and looking things up, it gets quite simple. But the hardest thing can be upkeep. But there are ways to kind of balance upkeep, especially if you're a theater where the upkeep really is like, here's what's here's what movies are in. And then maybe having a blog that's like, here's what we think. Here's what people are saying about this movie. Or Brendan talks about having the cast and crew from 14 come on for a panel to talk about it. Like that's that's really cool stuff that's creating content online. Yeah. And then at the end of that content, you're hearing, by the way, we're screening 14 at our theater bam, now you know to go. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, it's all interconnected. It's all very important. And it's all work. It, it really is. It takes a lot of time and effort at work. Brendan does all of this stuff. And I think he does a great job. He said how he does a lot of the graphic art and a lot of the videos. And like, it's all fantastic. And so I think we're in a place, like you said, where as they're quote unquote competing against bowling alleys and that kind of thing, more entertainment value, uh, entertainment sectors. I think the fact that we're already acquainted with streaming might in a way give them a leg up because yep. you can't stream bowling, <laughs> but you can stream a movie and you, <laughs> you can, can still get that revenue through it. In fact, it sounded like from what he said, they're getting more money cut out of the ticket you get from a streaming uh, film on their website than the ticket at the movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. <laughs> all great stuff. All great stuff. Um, and and, and I, again, Brandon, if you're listening, uh, just really thankful that you're able to come on and hopefully we can have you again. But, you know, we were also hearing about other ways to support theaters and, and support the movie industry in general. So, Carter, have you been able to support local screenings, maybe some sort of pop-up drive-ins, anything like that? What have you been up to? Yeah, so I'll take you through a little of the kind of the recent history uh, in Arizona, when it, when it, how it relates to movie theaters. So uh, we were shut down, mo like most of the country, until about early to mid-June, and theaters were open for about three weeks in that time. And I'll tell you, man, I went a little crazy when those theaters were open, <laughs> just because I, like I said, I was, I felt like it was this cinephile in this wasteland of movies that where there were no new releases lots of great old releases that i was able to catch up on but nothing new and so uh when that theater opened it still wasn't any new uh releases obviously but i was able to go see like the lord of the rings in theaters which i was just too young at to at, at the time when they came out or saw even one of the one of the harry potter movies which was a lot of fun nice um and that 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 glorious time lasted for about three weeks, and then our governor shut things down once again, uh, which I had definitely had some opinions about, but you know we can save that for another time. And so for me, how I've tried to support my local theaters is I'm I'm a big Harkins Theaters fan. Uh, Harkins is a it's really a West Coast family owned establishment. Uh, I think they make the best popcorn in the world, <laughs> and it makes something like an AMC, which you know, AMC is probably the nicest out of the large change. Um, it makes it look like uh, debris, like, like just, uh, <laughs> it, it really is a, a terrible alternative compared to what I've experienced with Harkins. Um, just wow. the price is just the, the popcorn really what that look, what's that, what that has looked like for me is um, 
getting, you know, just uh, certain gift cards in advance uh, that they've been giving us deals off or getting popcorn. Uh, they, they actually have these, this popcorn stand right outside the theater where you can go pick up $10 popcorn. That's really cute. Those are, it, it is cute. It is. And that popcorn is good, man. So it's, it's worth it. And it's, it's something where, uh, you know, once the movie's open, I will be there. And I know that's, you know, it, the, uh, it really varies across, across it does. the community. And so when they open, I'll be there um, and just really trying to support it in, in that one, you know, once it opens, I'm going to let everybody know through my, my account on Instagram, Film Junkie, and just also the new releases that are coming out. Cause that's really what will get the mass crowds to come back. And then on top of that, kind of what I've been doing uh, since then, you know, movies have not been opened. My favorite, my favorite establishment Harkins has not been open. So what I have been doing is really going through a lot of, a lot of older Criterion Channel classics, with which Brendan also talked about, and the Criterion Channel has been awesome. It's been a great way to cover some blind spots in my cinephile uh, life, just things that I had on my had on my watch list that I was unable to to catch. Yeah, I've I've been able to try and catch up on some stuff too. Like I think this is one of the first times that I actually did what none of us do, which is go into your Netflix backlog. or it's just like six years ago you're like i'll watch that maybe and then you go when did i put that on my list i guess i'll watch it yeah (laughs) it's so funny yeah i uh but you know that's streaming of course for for local stuff for me i uh was able to pick up one of the movies off of uh ambler theater we caught up with a it's a film called the last tree and the premise is a, a nigerian immigrant coming to britain to the uk to to be with his mother who is who immigrated there and the transition of experiencing like growing up in Nigerian culture and and honestly really having a great time and coming to the UK and it's just like the worst in fact there's a to contrast you have uh he's playing soccer with all of his friends and it's wonderful and it's great and then like one of the first scenes that happens when he's in the UK is he's with his mother and he walks into an elevator and you just hear her say don't stand in that one spot there's pee there and so <laughs> so that really contrasts like this atmosphere of growing up in in Nigeria and it's this wonderful time of relationships and and happiness and joy and then coming to an entirely different developed setting. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It took took me about 30 to 40 minutes to really get into the movie, but once I was into it, it was one of those like it clicked and then it captures you. I think it has a lot of really wonderful things about it. In fact, it had kind of a lot of feelings like Tiger Tail, which yep. Carter, you and I talked about. Sounds very familiar. The director, Shola Amu, hopefully I pronounced your name right, re- it really seems like he came from a lot of personal testimony and probably had some people he, he connected with. And so it makes the film really, really, like like I said, if you just draw yourself into it and you accept some of its shortcomings, which really are the editing. I think a lot of the editing issues were what kind of put it away. That made it really good. That's my little review for The Last Tree. But yeah, I, I rented that through Ambler Theater and it was just an absolute joy. So Melvin, besides you know what you've been doing with Ambler, any any other ways that you've been you know supporting your local theaters or um, just getting involved in that community during this time? Yeah, that it's funny that you asked that. So Catherine and I, so so Google News picks up where you live too. <laughs> and so I sometimes have the segment that says like going on in, in your area, in your county. And 
one of the segments said Monco drive pop-up drive-in and what they'll be showing for the next two weeks. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. So I opened it up and that was on, that was a Thursday night or that was a Thursday afternoon or something. And I saw that and I sent it right to my wife and she was super excited about the idea of going to a drive-in. And we had seen that they were actually showing Shazam that night. And I was like, yeah, I could, I could go see Shazam again because ever (laughs) since like I initially watched it, I've come to like, have more fond memories of watching the movie. When I first saw it, mm-hmm. it was kind of hard for me to get into it. And then once when I was into it, it kind of I, I kind of lost interest for by the last 10 minutes. And so my my experience of it was that fun movie, but for two hours and 12 minutes, a little long and could have trimmed the beginning and the end. And then I kind of sat on that and I was like, you know, I think I I think I like it. I think I like it more. And so this was when I was like, okay, it's time to go see it again. And guess what? I get to go do it by a drive-in. Yep. <laughs> so so we're like, I guess we'll go tonight. And mind you, the, re- the reason this monthly movie news is coming out late is just because there was a lot of complications that made it. Uh, we had to record late and then uh, we had to have Carter on. Daniel just had to take a step back. And, and so I was like, that was all coming down on Thursday. So like a lot of stuff was coming on. And then this was also the first episode that we had a guest come on to do an interview. So I'm like wanting to make sure we get this out on time for them as well to respect their time and their contribution. So this is all happening on Thursday and I'm like kind of in panic mode. I think I even texted you, Carter, saying that like, thank you so much for being able to come onto the podcast. I've actually just been kind of overwhelmed and my chest is like exploding <laughs> with stress. Well, Melvin, <laughs> it, it sounded like a crazy day for you, man, because I also read your Shazam review. And you talked about how, you know, you're watching Shazam, great fun movie. And then after it, your, was it your car battery that died? Is that yes, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah dude. exactly. It's like, of course. So I had never been to a drive-in before. I had never, we'd never done it before. And I didn't know that like, yeah, you're, I mean, I, I guess I, I know that if you have your battery running, but not your car, your battery can just die. But like, I didn't know how long that would be. <laughs> So we're just watching it and I never run my car. I never run my car while we're there. And by the last 10 minutes, the battery dies. <laughs> and I'm like, uh oh, that's not good. So then we just start like, you know, when you're doing that, it's the FM radio that's running the uh, the sound from it. And so the, the car next to us had been blaring it enough that when our battery died, my window was down and we could just hear from them. And I was like, you know, when the movie ends, we'll be okay. I'll just ask around and and I know I have jump cable, jumper cables in my trunk, whatever. And then it starts pouring rain oh. <laughs> and, and it is pouring. Dude, it was just one of those weeks, man. <laughs> it was insane. And like, you know, Catherine was like, her window wouldn't go up. She had it down the whole time. It wasn't going up. It's pouring rain. And, and like, you know, I'm really trusting the Lord here. I really was feeling <laughs> thankful for the experience. I And I genuinely mean it. I wasn't stressed. I wasn't like, it wasn't getting to me. In fact, getting out to see the movie, enjoying it more. All of it was really wonderful. In fact, even this is, this is my favorite part of the evening. It wasn't just pouring rain, but the whole night, once it sort of like became dark enough to screen the movie, the whole night there was a, there was a lightning storm going on. It was like light heat lightning and Shazam, like one of his powers is electricity. (laughs) And so throughout the movie, like the Lord is over here, like, yeah, my timing's on point. (laughs) And so there are like times when like lightning is streaking across the sky. And it's like, right when Shazam is doing some sort of lightning trick. In fact, 
the the main villain whose name I forget, Stanley Chuchi is the is the actor. He has a staff and he smacks it against the ground really aggressively in front of Shazam, and like six streaks of lightning just go like right behind the screen, <laughs> and you're like, oh man, like it was it was insane. It was just a crazy time. Um, we did get yeah. home safe, fine, and uh, there was a guy Good, who. Man. The guy right next to us was going to help us with the jumper cables, but then another dude came over with one of those boxes, which I'd never seen before. And I'm like, that's all it takes. He's like, that's all it takes. Plugs it in. And he's like, run the engine. He's like, all right, you're good. And I'm like, that's I got to buy that now. Like you were just you just basically sold me on this thing. It was it was a an adventure we had even invited friends out and they had their they had their car somewhere else but we we met up afterward it was an absolute blast and like the lord just took care of us the whole time but that was something we did locally too and uh so you know there's pop-up drive-ins everywhere and then even ambler theater they're not doing a drive-in but they're doing a pop-up screen i have a nearby place that we love to go to it's sort of like a little village and there's a lot of uh, breweries and local stores but they do pop-up screens all the time. In fact, last year we saw Hocus Pocus at Halloween, which I just didn't know was as sexually charged as it was. I've never <laughs> I, seen it. I am telling you, anybody who anybody who loves Hocus Pocus because it's like that it's that Disney Channel movie you love, watch it again and you'll be surprised. <laughs> just like <laughs> how much innuendo is in that movie. But that was a Michael Eisner era Disney movie, and he was really trying to reach out to teenagers. So it kind of makes a lot more sense when you watch that movie, knowing that that's the case. But it was weird. Anyways, there's a lot of local things you can be doing. There's just apart from having an amazing experience of watching Shazam with lightning and your car battery going out, <laughs> you can do a lot. There's a lot of cool things. So, Melvin, earlier we were really talking about how. You know, as as movie fans, it feels like we're in a wasteland and it feels like that water, that fresh water, that fresh well water just keeps uh, it seems closer than it really is. And I, I just think at the center of that has been Tenet, obviously Christopher Nolan's uh, espionage epic. But it's it's really been fascinating to kind of see the game of chicken that's been going on here. And, you know, ever <laughs> since I, I would say early May. Uh, we were still expecting theaters to reopen by the time of Tenet's early release date or first release date. And it's just funny to say there's been about three or four now. First release date of July 17th, 2020. As time went on, that it was like shifting goalposts throughout that. So I just, I, I found it so funny that, you know, once we hit June, we're still expecting that. That gets pushed which then pushes the opening reopening of the theaters. Again, this game of chicken that we're in where the theaters have to have new content to actually yeah. bring people out. So they're not going to yeah. open without having that new content. And so each time Tenet or Milan gets pushed back, we also see the theaters get pushed back about two weeks. And so it got to the point where Tenet gets pushed back from July 17th to July 31st. Nobody thought that would stick either. Um, then it gets pushed back to August 12th. Now, now I'm really hurting as a movie fan. It's like, man, another month I've been waiting so long for this, but that's okay. And really how to, how it had been structured was theaters were going to open up two weeks before that big release, whether it was Tenet or Mulan, yeah. a Disney or a Warner, Warner brothers offering, um, so that they could, uh, kind of get things up and running. Um, they were going to show some older classics, uh, even a, a re-release of Christopher Nolan's Inception to get people excited for Tenet. As as Tenet and Mulan just keep getting pushed back, it really put the theaters in this place where they they can't open. They have to open within that 
two week window of those other movies opening. If they're not sure that that's going to happen, it's, it's, it's really up in the air and it's been fascinating to watch because I, I can't remember a time where just everything in our culture has been so fluid and really everything is up in the air. Everything, there's no uh, solid ground where you can say, yep, movies are going to reopen in, you know, August or whatever. And so currently where we are now, and this is where I'd love for you to jump in and tell me your thoughts. And just as, as a film fan, but also as somebody who's observing it, you know, objectively, right now, things are scheduled to open up September 3rd. This time, it's a little different. And, it, and again, it starts with Tenet. It was moved from August 12th, and they said they were taking it off indefinitely with a new release date coming soon. So it was definitely not indefinitely. That was a lot of what the publications yeah, were saying. I remember seeing that. Now we're at September 3rd, and Warner Brothers is doing a really interesting rollout. They're not doing a day and date rollout across the country. They're doing a rollout that will take place first internationally, which puts the movie at risk because spoilers will be online. And, and no one did not want this to happen, but you can tell even no one's realizing, man, this is a crazy season we're in. I need to make some adjustments. Now we're to the point where if your city is open and theaters are open there, Tenet will open in that city on July on September 3rd. And I, I, I do think this one will stick because it's, it's that unique rollout plan that really was how movies were rolled out before Jaws, um, before... Uh, big summer blockbusters, you would roll them out city by city and they would build momentum. Now it's just day and date um, across the board, but looks like we're, again, just because of COVID, we're going to have to, they're, they're working through things. So Melvin, what are your thoughts on September 3rd? Do you think that finally, after looks like three or four restarts, um, going back to July 17th, do you think that we're actually going to open September 3rd? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I think the thing that gives me the most information is the fact that AMC with their third delay didn't even give a date. Yeah. They just said mid to late August. We're going to open mid to late August. And compare that to the previous times when they said they were going to open July 15th and then they said just kidding, we're going to open July 30th. <laughs> they just decided we can't keep picking a date. Why? Because then <laughs> it might just get pushed back again. And so yep. they said mid to late August. And that's probably you know, I, I don't know what the difference is between giving it. A, I mean, I guess I do the difference between giving a definite and an indefinite date. You know, like like you're asking with September 3rd tenant. I mean, I'm not hopeful that it's going to actually come out September 3rd. It might here in the United States, but I don't I don't know if it will. I think it makes sense that it's getting getting some international distribution because companies need to hit quarters. They need to. And I know that there's international companies, you know, aren't all run by the same time. I mean, Sony here in the States is different from Sony there in Japan. It's run by a different company. And so they have their own quarters to hit individually, but they're still dependent on one another. So like if Tenet can't be screened, like if Tenet was supposed to be coming out in, you know, in the middle of the summer, that's a quarter that across the world, all these companies are dependent on or subsidiaries. I don't really know the specific jargon. I just like movies and make a podcast about them. <laughs> but the idea of like being dependent on September 3rd and then having it kind of unveil over a period of times. I mean, I... Here in the United States, I'm not very confident in that. Am I worried about it? Not really. I mean, I'd love to go to the movies. And even my wife, like, she went from being excited for Tenant to just being, like, thirsty for Tenant. <laughs> like, I mean, we're both kind of just like, please, we just want to watch it. Please, just yeah. let us have a private theater with nobody else. Please, we'll do it. <laughs> but, like, 
I also like practically look, putting my emotions aside. I don't know. I just, I, I can't see it happening. I can't, I can't see it anymore. And I know why they have to say why I like, I know they have to pick a number and put it there, but it's, uh, I think it's unlikely. What do you think? So Melvin, one thing that I thought was really interesting, uh, when you were talking about just the, the lack of a solid date, you know, they were just saying, mid to late August, right? Right. This kind of reminds me of an unhealthy relationship. You know, you have one <laughs> side that's not committing and then that causes the other side to not commit as well. And, you know, it, it really, it's funny because it's been such a contentious relationship, a very passionate con- relationship, but contentious. They're probably not right for each other, these theaters and the movie industry, but they have to work together. So I find it just so fascinating. It's really a dysfunctional relationship. Yeah. Uh, studios are not committing. That also means theaters don't feel like they can commit. The thing that I'm the the thing that I think makes September third different is that unique rollout. If it was day and date, I don't think it would. Just not because of the cases, not because of that, but really because of um, governors like Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom shutting down New York and California, and those are. Those two markets account for about 25% of film going revenue, yeah. film, film going capitals. And so that's really what's been keeping them. Like if it was Arizona, like maybe not even Arizona, let's say if it was Montana or, you know, some, some state where there's just not a ton of people and not, not a hub for filmmaking, th- th- this wouldn't be an issue. Uh, but because California and New York have these indefinite dates on them with no solid data rule. That's really what's keeping these studios, studios from committing. So really we can blame it on Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> and I'm just kidding, but there, there's been a part of me that's like, man, it's because of you guys. I'm not seeing 10, <laughs> you know, taking all politics aside that, that was where I was like, this is the first time where I've ever been truly affected by a governmental decision. <laughs> yes. Cause I think in large part, a lot of the governmental decisions shouldn't uh, affect our daily lives. And there are that definitely do, but as a 23 year old, this is the first time where I've felt, uh, you know, definitely my ire rise, but yeah. it's okay. It's a, it's such a small thing in comparison to what's going on. So, and, and I think that's really what's kept them from opening, but because of this unique rollout, because it's going to be going state by state, um, city by city, determining, you know, what are they open or not, which I think that there's eight states that are not currently open. I saw this article from IndieWire just talking about how eight of those states are not currently open with um, six of them planning to reopen on August 10th. And then the other two being New York and California indefinite, which classic, classic New York, classic California stuff. Right. And so, yeah, I, I do think that this one will work because the studios just came to the realization, like we can't wait around for uh, these two states to open and I think what they're going to do is let this film play play long. Like it's it's going to be in the in theaters for three to four months. I do believe it will be a hit. It won't have the biggest opening weekend, but I do believe that it'll be a word of mouth long game that they're playing. And they're they're kind of realizing in this world uh, now that we live in, the best way to go about it is that staggered rollout. And that's why I, I personally think it'll come out September third. May not come out in our state, depending on how things sure, are. Sure, sure. It will come out some places in America. 
Well, it definitely puts into perspective why I'll be on Deadline or Hollywood Reporter and they keep talking about COVID cases in California or COVID cases in New York. Because, I mean, why else would they do that other than talking about like these are some of the most important film markets ever. Exactly. <laughs> and so they yep. like if their That's cases why. go up, we need to be mindful of like this is going to affect everything else. Yep. I know even in my area, I know there's a fair amount of irritation for Governor Wolf. I'm neither. I, I didn't even know he was my governor until recently. <laughs> I know that he's I know that place, things are safer here uh, because very early on he was shutting things down and things like that. And so I suspect that uh, movie theaters will open up in my area when 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 things officially happen. I do know, too, that I've read and I can't cite this because I didn't plan on it, um, but it's something I remember. So somebody can Google specific keywords I say while we're talking. But I think I heard that, like, you know, movie theaters are just ready to open. Like they are ready with their policies. They're very flexible with whenever an update for what they need to do comes out. All these things. They are just waiting for the movies to actually commit. Exactly. They're just like, we need these tentpole ones to come out. And for independent theaters, uh, Br uh, Brandon even mentions like, yeah, they won't have the new Avengers, but they'll have other stuff. When when the big blockbuster movies are open, um, while they might not be getting it per se, there's much more confidence in going to the movie theater and therefore independents can open up too. Yeah. And, and with those big blockbusters, you'll have counter programming from those independent studios like a Fox Searchlight releasing personal history of david copperfield yeah or... yeah i've been waiting for that one <laughs> i've been like yeah me too man like i want to watch it <laughs> and those are prime movies for ambler theaters for for brendan's theater and i think that once people feel confident with the big blockbusters those independent films will follow and so that's why i'm i'm really hoping not just for tenant's sake but for all kinds of film's sake that we can reopen and I believe we can reopen safely. Um, and, and with the precautions, they've had many months to do that and we'll never mitigate, mitigate all risk. Uh, but I think that we can really do it in a, in a safe fashion. And it is regional too. I mean, you started with that, I think yep. where it's like, it can really depend where you're located. I know some cases are kind of spiking in the Midwest. I think I saw a headline of it. I don't know the specifics. Don't quote me on it, but uh, there are some States that are just kind of fine. There are some states are even getting more like specific. There are some counties in states that are like, we just haven't seen cases. Or if we had one, mm -hmm. like we quarantined them, they're safe now. And then it's, it's done. So there are some places where like a city like that or a town like that, they could open up their theater. But the big worry, of course, is will people feel comfortable? And then also in Tenet's case, spoilers, because even the trailer gives you no information. So <laughs> they really don't want <laughs> that to happen. Nolan. So so, you know, we've, we've been waiting for theaters to open up for a while. So and uh, and, you know, me and Daniel on our quarantine binge episode talked about what we watched. But Carter, what have what have you been watching? Yeah, man. So one thing that I really like to do is when when you have a big director putting out his ne next offering, like last year with Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I was really excited for this year, uh, Nolan with Tenet. These guys love genre movies. They love genre movies. And I love really looking at the genres that inspired them to make their current movie. So last year watched a lot of just different Hollywood films, um, movies about the, the Hollywood industry that fed into once upon a time in Hollywood. And as the optimist that I am, I'm, I've been watching a lot of 
tenant like films or, or films that really ins- have been kind of a landmark in the spy genre, which is what uh, Christopher Nolan said they're, they're jumping off from. They're jumping off from a, uh, an espionage genre film that will take great place across like seven countries, you know? And so I've been watching a lot of Hitchcock classics. And one reason why I did this is because when Tenet was announced, it was said it was a mixture between Inception and North by Northwest, which you can really see in the trailer. And something like North by Northwest is one of my top five movies. It's uh, just truly an incredible spy film. It's really the first James Bond film. And a part of that, a part of Hitchcock's filmography, he's got three or four great spy movies, whether it's the 39 Steps, a movie from the 30s, The Foreign Correspondent, or even The Man Who Knew Too Much, which also, funnily enough, has a, a, a big opera house scene that Tenet also has. And so I've really been on a spy movie kick. And I think the biggest thing that I've found, Melvin, like the, the big find this time, has been Steven Spielberg's Munich. Now, I had I had heard of this. To me, it just, I don't know why, it just never really interested me. Finally got the chance to watch it. Came out in 2005. It's with uh, Eric Bana and a pre-Daniel, pre-Bond Daniel Craig. And it's really about the 1917, 1972 Munich Olympics where 11 Israeli athletes were killed by Palestinian terrorists. And we don't know the, the specific details, but in the subsequent months, seven of the highest ranking Palestinian governmental figures slash they were involved with this terrorist organization were, you know, brutally assassinated in, in a span of a few months after that. And this had been suspected to be the Mossad, the secret agent of secret agents of Israel. It's just a fascinating movie to watch and really a time capsule that looks at post-war Israel and how they were trying to make their name and, and really trying to protect themselves from outside forces that really don't like them. And uh, there, there's a great quote in the movie that just talks about them having to negotiate with their own morals, having to negotiate with their own stance on, on violence. And, you know, should we react, should we react with violence to this violence that was done to us by these Palestinian terrorists? Mm. It's just an incredible spy film, uh, very violent too, which I, for me, when I, I, I love kind of R rated violent movies that are also to- told through on a tourist lens, like a Spielberg. And so that's been, that's been the biggest find. Uh, my, my favorite find out of this time is, watching those spy movies, but also getting a chance to check out Steven Spielberg's Munich, which I suggest everybody watch. It's a, again, it's not totally historically accurate because there's things that we just don't know, but really gives you insight into the conflict between the Israeli government and Palestinians. So that's what I've been watching, Melvin. And that's great. Was there anything, you know, anything else that you've been watching in this time too, that I, I listened to your binge episode, but anything else that you wanted to hit on? <laughs> Checked out Becky. I checked out that Kevin okay. James. Uh, Kevin James is a Nazi, uh, is a neo-Nazi, and tries to do a home invasion. <laughs> and a little teenage girl kills a lot of neo-Nazis. That was pretty good. Nice, <laughs> nice. So that was sick. I had a blast with that. A lot of yelling because it was just like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't believe it!" So that was a blast to watch. Um, definitely one. I'm I'm not like giving it like a recommendation, I guess, because it's one of those more like uh contextualized recommendations if you like that kind of movie you will have a very good time with this one definitely one i i could end up watching it again 
I've heard it's kind of like a B movie, uh, but a really fun B movie. Yeah, very B movie. That's about it. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, coming on, Carter, to help me out with this. Thanks so much for uh, just bringing your wealth of information. Every time we talk, I feel like you just have like this encyclopedia of movie information and news that I, I think it's honestly just because you have Criterion Collection and everyone seems to have Criterion Collection and I don't. <laughs> and so, so uh, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. You know, I realized we never actually had you um, share where, where you're at and everything. So how can get how can people get connected to you? Yeah, Melvin, a few things. I just want to say thank you for having me on. I always love doing this, man. Love talking movies with you. And uh, when you do get the Criterion channel, and I'm going to make you get it. You need to get it, man. <laughs> with, you know, whatever funds from the Patreon you're getting, I would spit, put $10 of that towards the Criterion channel. It's worth it. Watch some Kurosawa movies. Akira oh, Kurosawa. I need to. I need to. Uh, I'll send you a list and, and we'll talk about that. But yeah, man, would would love to talk more about that. You can, you guys can find me at film junkie reviews on Instagram. I just, I just love movies. Just a big movie fan. I also love the Lord and love looking at the world of movies through the lens of the Christian worldview. So that's why I love talking to you, Melvin. So thanks for having me on, man. Yeah. Carter, glad to have you on. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Monthly Movie News. And thanks so much, Brendan Joyce, for sharing your time with us and shining some light on what it's like to navigate COVID-19 as an independent theater. And thanks so much, Carter Bennett, for helping me out with this episode, too. You guys rock. If you enjoy the show, be sure to check out Cinematic Doctrine's other offerings like Trailer Talk and our regular movie discussions. You can also leave a review on your respective podcast app to show your support or go one step further and consider supporting the show via Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can influence the show by choosing a movie we discuss at the end of every month, as well as gain access to an exclusive Cinematic Doctrine podcast series called The Pre-Show. In it, Daniel and I talk about movies, Christianity, and life itself across a variety of topics. Cinematic Doctrine also has plenty of social media you can follow, which is linked in the show notes, and be sure to check out the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group and join the conversation with other like-minded Christian cinephiles. A special shout out to those who supported the Art House Theater tier. Thanks so much, Mom, Dad, and Melanie. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support means the world to us. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.